May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. That's funny and uh, also disturbing all at the same time, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, but good morning. My name is Mike McGowan. I'm the Senior Pastor here at Parkway Fellowship, and I want to uh, take just a moment. <clears throat> I want to say thank you to all of those of you who follow me on Twitter and on Facebook um, for praying for me over the weekend. Uh, that I would be well enough to come and preach today. Uh, my health started taking a severe downward turn. And um, I'll be honest with you, yesterday I actually could feel myself getting stronger as you prayed for me. So I really, really appreciate it because I honestly think that without your prayers I wouldn't be here today. Um, so thank you for that. And I also want to say thank you um, to those of you that have taken that step of faith to help start our North Campus today. They're uh, over at Katie Junior High. Um, getting set up and having their first preview service in anticipation of their launch next weekend. So uh, shout out to you guys at the North Campus today. That's right. Give them a hand. That's right. And I'm glad that you're here today as we wrap up our message series, It's Not About Me. Uh, you know, a couple months ago, I saw the movie Moneyball. Anybody ever, watch, anybody ever see this movie Moneyball? Anybody ever see Moneyball? Okay, good, a few of you did. Um, it's actually not the most captivating of all movies I've ever seen, um, but it's, the Lord really showed me something through it. Now, the movie is the true story of a guy named Billy Bean. He was the general manager of the Oakland A's, and the premise of the movie is how does a small market team with a small budget like the Oakland A's keep up with teams like the New York Yankees that have like enormously deep pockets? Well, Billy Bean discovers that the key to winning baseball games is not home runs or you know, great fastball pitchers or RBIs or steals or any of that kind of stuff. He discovers that the key to winning baseball games is having players with a high on-base percentage. That basically, how often does a guy get on base? Because you can't score a run if you can't get on base. And so Billy Bean completely refigures the entire Oakland A's roster around guys who have not, that don't have star power, but they have a really high on-base percentage. And they begin to win games. A lot of games. In the year 2000, they won 91 games. In 2001, they won 102 games. By comparison, the last three years in a row, the Astros have lost 100 games. (laughs) Uh, Sorry to bring that up. Well, the Boston Red Sox took note of what Billy Bean had done. And so, They adopted all of his methods, and they completely reshaped their roster as well. And then in 2004, the Boston Red Sox won their first World Series since 1918. They've gone on to capture two more World Series titles since, and the Boston Red Sox have won three of the last nine World Series. And it's all because they realized that baseball wasn't about all these other stats and measures, that it really is all about on-base percentage, and how often guys get on base. Now, through that movie, the Lord showed me that oftentimes that we as Christ followers, we often look at the wrong measures to determine what God says is important. You see, it's not about, like, making large churches, and it's not about having great worship experiences, and it's not about gaining more Bible knowledge or 
helping impoverished people or going on mission trips or praying for people's needs. Now, look, don't get me wrong. All those things are important and all those things matter. In fact, all those things are byproducts of God working in the world. But they're not primarily what we're supposed to be about. Because if it's not about us, then what is it about? It's about the kingdom. It's about the kingdom. Now, that's not what you'd expect, right? I mean, because in church, it doesn't feel like we talk about the kingdom a lot. But the Bible talks about the kingdom a lot. Jesus talks about the kingdom a lot. In fact, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven more than 130 times in the New Testament. In fact, Jesus' teaching on the kingdom is so prevalent that oftentimes we just simply overlook it. But when we realize that it's all about the kingdom, then that changes things for us. It, it, It changes our priorities. It changes our schedule. It changes the things that we choose to impart to our children. It changes how we spend part of our vacation. It changes how we spend our money. It changes how we pray. It changes how we talk. Honestly, it pretty much just changes everything. And just like the Oakland A's saw more wins once they began to evaluate things by the right measure, we too, in our lives, we start evaluating things by the kingdom. We will see more wins in our lives. We'll see more victories. We'll see more breakthroughs. We'll see more bad habits go away and embrace more good habits. We'll, we'll see more churches everywhere begin to grow larger. We'll have richer worship experiences. We'll gain more Bible knowledge. We'll do a better job helping impoverished people. We'll go on more mission trips. We'll see more prayers answered. All those things will happen. And get this, if we measure our success as Christ followers by the wrong standards, by the wrong measures, then we'll become more judgmental. We'll become more legalistic. We won't get very much out of a relationship with God and we'll feel like our lives have a lot less purpose than we think they should. And it's all because we're evaluating our Christianity by the wrong measure. So go ahead and pull out your message notes if you haven't done so already. What does Jesus say I should do because of the kingdom? What does he say I should do? Here's the first. Number one, he says this. I need to yield more of my behaviors to the king. I need to yield more of my behaviors to the king. See, now, when Jesus talks about the kingdom, he talks about primarily two facets, two parts of the kingdom. The first way is that he talks about how the kingdom of God is set up in a person's heart. And he talks about the heart because the heart is where our behaviors start, okay? So Jesus says that he sets up the kingdom in our heart because ultimately he wants to take charge of our behaviors. Now listen, taking charge of our behaviors is not a matter of just us following a bunch of religious rules, okay? It's not about that. Because we're following those rules because we have a relationship with the king, Jesus. And so we follow the rules through this relationship. It's not just about being religious. It's about having a relationship with Christ and allowing him to have authority over those behaviors and us yielding those behaviors to him. Now, that's the whole reason why 
the Jews didn't understand that Jesus was the real Messiah, that he was really the Son of God, because they were expecting Messiah to come and set up a physical, earthly kingdom here on this earth. That's the only kind of kingdom they'd ever seen. And so when Jesus didn't come to set up a real earthly kingdom, they didn't believe he was the Son of God. They didn't understand that Jesus came to set up a spiritual kingdom in the hearts of men and women everywhere. Now, in this passage we're about to read, I want you to notice something that if you've read this parable, you might not have ever seen before. Now, let me set it up for you. Jesus is, has just told a story, a parable, about a guy who, who goes and sprinkles seeds on four kinds of soil, along a path, among rocky soil, among thorns, and then on fertile ground. And now he's explaining the parable to the disciples. Look what he says. In Matthew 13, beginning in verse 18, Jesus says, listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom, underline that, message about the kingdom, and he does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. Circle in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. And then Jesus goes on to explain the other three soils as well. Now, the seed that was sown on the path is, the part we underlined, it is the message about the kingdom. Well, what is this message about the kingdom? It's that Jesus died to save you and me from the consequences of our sin. And if you would accept his death on the cross as payment for your sin, then you'll go to heaven when you die. And if you don't, you won't. And you'll spend eternity in hell paying for your sins yourself. But if you accept Christ's forgiveness, then the kingdom of God begins to set up camp in your heart. And like a seed, it begins to grow. And the rest of your time here on earth is the process of you changing your behaviors so that the kingdom of God grows a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more in your heart. That's what it's about. Now, look at what else Jesus says. Matthew 13, beginning in verse 31. Then he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven, we'll circle it, the kingdom of heaven, see how often it occurs in the Bible, we don't even think about it, is like a mustard seed. Now, a mustard seed is really small. It's about like the size of a strawberry seed. Okay, it's really tiny. Which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, I want you to underline when it grows. It is the largest of all garden plants that becomes a tree. So that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. Then he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven, circle it, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. Underline, worked all through the dough. See, the point is, is that when you become a Christ follower, the kingdom sets up camp in your heart. The imagery is that when you first become a Christ follower, there's this, this tiny little kingdom. 
it's almost like a toy-sized kingdom that sets up camp in your heart. Now, it's a real kingdom, and it has a real king, but it starts out really small, you know, kind of like, like an outpost, okay? And Jesus sits atop the throne of this kingdom. And as you yield your behaviors over to Christ, then the kingdom extends its borders over that behavior, and the kingdom begins to grow. Now, for most people, it starts with, you know, basically like one-time behaviors, like the decision to become baptized. In fact, that's actually the first command that Jesus gives anyone once they become a Christ follower, is to be baptized. And once you yield to that decision to become baptized, then the kingdom extends its borders over that behavior in your heart, and the kingdom grows. And then maybe it's another one-time behavior. Like maybe you come to church and you decide that you're going to follow through with the next step in church. Not just like check the box, but actually, you know, follow through with that next step, right? And when you do, then the borders of the kingdom expand a little bit more in your heart. And then generally people move on to ongoing types of behaviors. Like maybe you make the decision that you're going to come to church no matter what happens in your life. And once you make that decision and you yield that behavior over to Christ, then the kingdom extends its borders a little bit more. And then maybe it's other behaviors, like you just said, you're going to allow him to take charge over how much you drink, and then the borders extend a little bit more. And then you let him take charge over the music that you listen to. You let him take charge over your temper, and then you let him take charge over how often you'll read your Bible, over how you spend your money, and how much money that you give away, how you parent as a, as your kids, how you talk to your spouse, and then maybe you let them take charge over other parts of your life, over how you act as an employee or as a boss, or now you're going to invite people to church, or you know, um, then maybe how you're going, where you're going to take your vacations, that you're going to take your vacations uh, like to do a mission trip instead of just on a place where you're going to go spend time for yourself, or maybe you. Um, Give him now authority over the movies that you watch or over the TV shows that you go see. Or maybe you're going to give him um, control over that you're always going to tell the truth, no matter what happens, even when it's inconvenient and even when it hurts. Maybe you'll give him control over your sarcastic tongue because you know that it hurts people. Or you'll give him control over being judgmental. And instead, you're going to just treat people with kindness and goodness, even if they're the type of person that just rubs you the wrong way. You see... Every time that you and I give Jesus a little bit more authority over a behavior, then the boundaries and the borders of the kingdom expand in our hearts. And just like Jesus says, it grows from the tiniest of seeds to become the biggest of trees. It happens until it works its way through the dough, until it works its way through our entire lives. That's what Jesus is saying. So let me ask you. What is a behavior in your life that you know you need to yield to Jesus' authority? What is a behavior in your life that you know you need to give over to him and let him take charge of in your own life? You see, because when you do, the kingdom of God grows in your heart. And that's what brings spiritual maturity. Look, spiritual maturity is not just gaining more knowledge 
about God or the Bible. See, because when you gain more knowledge, you just simply gain more knowledge about how the kingdom operates. But you're not giving the king operational control over your behaviors. You just know how he works. But that's not the same as yielding that behavior to him. You see, the true spiritually mature people have knowledge and changed behaviors. Those are the people who are really, who are really spiritually mature. So, let me ask you again. What behavior do you know you need to give over to Jesus Christ? What behavior are you willing to allow him to take control of so that the kingdom can expand its borders in your heart? Would you yield to that today? Would you allow Jesus to take hold of that behavior and take charge of that behavior today? Now Jesus describes the kingdom in a second way and has a second powerful meaning for us, and that is this. I need to work to expand the borders of the kingdom in other people. I need to work to expand the borders of the kingdom in other people. Now, this is done several ways. One key way is that we need to stamp out social injustice in our communities. You know, that's why we get so outraged when we see people with power, abusing their power to take advantage of poor people or single moms or disadvantaged people, or they're working their system to their own personal advantage. You know, we get outraged by that, and rightfully so, because that's the kind of stuff that should send us through the roof. See, that's that social injustice part of wanting the kingdom of God to expand its borders to the lives of other people. That's what Jesus is getting at in the Lord's Prayer. Look what he says in the opening lines of the Lord's Prayer. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Circle those three words. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, Another facet is our desire to see other people become Christ followers themselves because when we know that, we know that when other, Christ people, other people become Christ followers, that the kingdom will set up camp in their hearts and will expand its borders over their behaviors. Look at what Acts 8.12 says. It says, but when they believed Philip, now Philip was one of the 12 disciples, when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God, underline the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Now, notice that Philip was preaching the good news of the kingdom. That means he was telling people how to become Christ followers. See, even in the early days, the disciples, they thought about the spreading the good news of Jesus. They thought about it in terms of the kingdom of God. And part of the role of a Christ follower is to tell other people how they can become Christ followers too. That's why the mission of Parkway Fellowship is to reach the lost at any cost and grow them to maturity. Bottom line, as a church, this means that we will do anything short of sin 
to reach as many people as possible as fast as possible before time runs out. And we accept people as they are when they walk through the doors, but it's with an anticipation of transformation as the kingdom grows in their hearts. See, that's why we started a North Campus, so we can reach more people on that side of town. That's why we'll start another campus eventually to reach people in another part of town. And that's why we're gonna do a huge message series on marriage starting next week. Because people in our community that don't know Christ, they need to be reached. And everybody struggles with marriage at some point in time, don't they? Everybody does. In fact, more than half of our country will end up being divorced at some time. That's why we print up this whole batch of invite cards that are in your seat to give you a way to invite other people to come to church next week because when they come, not only they're gonna hear about what God says about marriage, but they're gonna hear the truth about Christ and about the kingdom. And that's what they need. So would you make it a point to invite people to come to church next week as we kick off this series? So look, here's the deal. The kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing. Whether you believe it or not, whether you see it or not, it is forcefully advancing. And the only question you really have to answer is, are you going to be a part of helping the kingdom forcefully advance, or are you going to just sit on the sideline and watch it happen? God wants you to be a part of his forcefully advancing kingdom, not only in your own heart, but in the hearts of other people everywhere else. So make it a point to invite people to come to church next week. Next week, the series is called Vows, and we're going to be talking about the vows that we take when we're married and how we can fulfill those vows, how we can keep those vows, what those vows mean in the eyes of God and what they ought to mean to us, and how maintaining those vows can enrich and deepen our marriage. I mean, it is going to be an awesome series. So make sure that you're here and make sure that you invite people when they come. And here's the deal. If you're single, this would be a great series to come to because then you'll get to see what a godly, healthy marriage is supposed to look like. So make sure you're here and you invite people to come with you. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't give you a chance to become a Christ follower yourself if you've never done that before. At the bottom of your message notes, the very bottom, on the back, there is a sample prayer for how to become a Christ follower. Have you ever prayed that prayer before? or something similar to it? Have you ever asked Jesus Christ to come into your life to forgive you for everything you've ever done and then pledge your life to following him? I'm gonna give you a chance to do that in just a moment if you've never done it before. And when you do, Jesus will come into your life and set up his kingdom in your heart. Then it's up to you to allow him to change your life by yielding your behaviors over to him. Because remember, It's not about you. It's about the kingdom and letting the kingdom of God take over your life. So I want everybody to take your connection card. I want you to hold it right next to your message notes. And hold the next step side by side. 
And I want you to check the next step or steps that you're willing to take today. Maybe it's this first next step. I commit to change a specific behavior and allow Christ to have authority over that behavior. Would that be you? Would you be willing to do that? Number two, sign me up to get baptized. That's the very first thing that any new Christ follower should do is get baptized. If you've never been baptized, check that box. You'll be signed up, but we'll email you the next couple of baptism dates, and you can decide which date works best for you and let us know. And we'll send you some information about baptism so you'll know what it means and all, that, on the, all the imagery that goes along with it. But if you're re- ready to say, you know what, I've never done that, but I want the kingdom borders to expand just a little bit more in my heart then sign up to be baptized. Next, I will use all my cards this week to invite people to the Vow series on Sunday. Would you do that? I'm already using my cards. In fact, I've already passed out multiple sets of these things. Would you do the same this week? Take those five cards, invite five different folks to come to church next week. It's gonna be awesome. Next, I will start reading the Gospels. That's the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John paying special attention to what Jesus says about the kingdom. When you start reading it, you will be shocked how often the kingdom is mentioned. It's all throughout the New Testament. Would you read that, read the Gospels and move in that direction? Next, sign me up for a small group. There's a place for a code, okay? Look, signing up for a small group is a great way to allow the kingdom of God to expand in your heart because you go and learn about the Bible and you get to interact with other people and you learn from what their experiences, they learn from yours. It's a great way to have, let that happen. So sign up for a small group. In fact, how many of you have already signed up for a small group? Put your hand in the air right quick. If you've already signed up for a small group, put your, no, stick it way up there so everybody around you can see. All right, look at that. That's almost everybody in the room. All right, put them down. We, Ryan told me this morning that we have over 1,900 people signed up for a small group so far. Over 1,900 people. Yeah, that's ridiculous. So if you aren't signed up yet, get signed up because they start next week. This is the perfect time to do it, all right? Next, sign my kids or teenagers up for a small group. Now, you need to write their names and their codes there. Listen, if you haven't signed your kids up yet, let me tell you, it's a lot easier if they start young to allow the kingdom of God to expand in your heart. It's harder the older you get because you've got to unlearn a bunch of stuff. So sign your kids up to be in a small group. That's your teenagers as well as your four-year-olds and up. Or the last one. I will pray the prayer to become a Christ follower today for the first time in my life. If you're ready to pray that prayer, I'm going to give you a chance to do that right now. In fact, I'm going to give everybody a chance to do business with God right now. I want you to pray and ask God to change your life through these next steps that you're willing to take and help you follow through with them. And if you're ready to pray that prayer to become a Christ follower, this is your chance to do it. I want everybody right now, bow your heads all across the room, all our campuses everywhere. Bow your head, and I want you to take these next moments and do business with God. Father, I want to say thank you for the imagery of a kingdom and how easy it is to picture that 
that is your kingdom that sets up camp and that extends its borders with every behavior we yield over to you. And I pray for every single person listening this morning, either here live or on the internet, that you would help each of us take your message seriously, that we would yield behaviors to you and that your kingdom would grow in us. And that you would help us to extend the borders of your kingdom, not just in our lives, but into the lives of other people and into our communities. Because, Father, it's all about you. It's all about the kingdom. And I ask that you would bring us back as well as so many of our friends and neighbors next week so we can hear what you have to say about marriage. And so I ask you to do all of this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.